AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. The grain markets are not lower. Are they higher? I don't know if higher is the right word for it. Uh, Lots to talk about on today's show. Economy, markets, and who knows what might come out of this farmer forum. Live from a molasses cookie Wednesday via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk This Morning. We'll begin with Dr. Jim Mintert from Purdue. Then it's our farmer forum with panelists Luke Lauritsen and Nick Ehlers. And right after the news, Margie Eckelkamp from The Scoop. I'm handsome guest host Davis Michelson. I'm filling in for Chip. He's making his way down to sunny Florida for the commodity classic uh, thingy they got going down there, uh, which is good. It sounds like the weather is uh, uh, shaping up to be wintry in his absence. So, you know, good for him. It, it, it all timed out just perfectly. We'll have stuff from him as as we go on for, for now. It's me this morning, me this afternoon, and I think is. It's me tomorrow morning as well, if I'm looking at the thing right here. Oh, yeah, we got a great show, actually, tomorrow morning lined up. That's going to be a fun one. Um, this morning, we're we're going to talk with uh, Dr. Jim Mintert to begin with. We talk with him every month. Univer- Purdue University CME Group Ag Economy Barometer dropped five points in February. Uh, some uh, negative sentiments. There's been kind of a flip in focus i think if i'm looking at this right um some anxieties you know meanwhile we've got powell talking hawkish on rates before congress this week uh it's going to be interesting to speak with dr mintert and then uh, then of course we've got luke and nick on the farmer forum panel today that should be a great conversation as well we'll find out what's in the forefront of their minds looking forward to it so glad that you've tuned in this morning we got a great show coming up for you. Um, let's kick it off with today's news. As I said, the Federal Reserve expects to raise interest rates uh, multiple times in the coming months and is prepared to re-accelerate its pace of monetary policy tightening if needed. That's what Jerome Powell said uh, to the Senate Banking Committee yesterday. Powell today will give testimony before the House Financial Services Committee. Well, private businesses in the United States unexpectedly created 242,000 jobs in February. That was well above January's number, and it beat market forecasts. The services sector added 190,000 jobs, led by leisure and hospitality, and the goods-producing industry added 52,000 jobs. Meanwhile, annual rate wage growth decelerated slightly. President Biden says he will unveil a plan to cut the federal deficit by $2 trillion. The measure includes tax increases for companies and savings from spending cuts that will be part of the White House's budget proposal that will be announced tomorrow. 
U.S. mortgage applications were up 7.4% in the weekend of March 3rd. That's the first increase in four weeks. Applications to refinance a home loan jumped 9.4%, and those to purchase a home loan were up 6.6%. Meanwhile, the average contract interest rate for 30-year fixed-rate mortgages rose 6.79%. That's a fresh high since November. Those refis, too, uh, up 9.4%. Uh, is is a piece of good news, I think, for the mortgage industry at large because as refinances, uh, refinance applications fell, uh, there were some jobs that were cut from the industry. So if we could get that restored, boy, that would uh, that would sure help out some folks I know. Well, Crop Life America applauded the U.S. Trade Representative's Office for requesting formal technical consultations with the Mexican government under the USMCA. To address a long-standing agricultural technology trade issue, the announcement addresses concerns voiced by many in the U.S. ag community regarding the decree's impact on biotechnology traits and pesticides in Mexico. Now, the U.S. did take this week the first step under the USMCA to resolve Mexico's attempt to block biotech corn imports. Dave Samonson, American Farm Bureau Federation Senior Government Affairs Director, explains the potentially lengthy process. The first thing that's done is what's called a request for consultations. That can take several months if necessary. Then, if the issue isn't resolved, they move on to a dispute resolution panel. So USTR this week has started the process to try to get this issue with Mexico resolved. Well, and here, this is interesting, too. Uh, Meanwhile, the North American Meat Institute says the USDA's Food Safety and Inspection Service's latest attempt at proposed rules for a product of the USA label for meat products will not succeed. The organization says labeling meat products may result in trade retaliation from Canada and Mexico, costing American consumers and businesses billions of dollars. The updated 2023 calendar year runoff forecast for the Missouri River Basin above Sioux City, Iowa, continues to be below average. John Remus, chief of the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, Missouri River Basin Water Management Division, says, quote, despite some improvements in overall basis, uh, basin conditions, we expect 2023 runoff to remain below average. Soil moisture has improved slightly, but drought conditions persist. And finally, the White House on Tuesday endorsed bipartisan legislation to ban TikTok and urged lawmakers to pass it quickly. The bill would allow the Commerce Secretary to review certain details, software updates, and data transfers, and refer them to the president if they appear sketchy. Let's bring in Margie Echelkamp from The Scoop. Good morning, Margie. How are we? Good morning, Davis. Um, there's a, there's a lot of talk about the different generations in our society and uh, what they understand about agriculture. Um, Can you talk about that from the ag business standpoint? Yes. So at The Scoop, we are just about to release our annual survey data. And so that's really digging into the compensation offered to entry-level sales agronomists and machine applicator operators. And I know 
so many across agriculture are talking about the availability of people to help do the jobs we have to do. And so I really started to dig into, so what does the future workforce look like? Who are they? And it really comes down to Generation Z. So folks, if you are still talking about how to integrate millennials into your team, you're 20 years too late because millennials have been in the workforce for almost two decades. Now we're welcoming those first waves of Generation Z, also called Zoomers. And they are really filling in the gap as the baby boomers retire. So Gen Zers were born starting in 1996, all the way up to 2012. And while they weren't born with iPhones in their hands, the, they were about 10 years old when the iPhone was introduced in 2007. So they are what we call digital natives, very tech savvy. It's always been part of their world. Additionally, the Pew Research Center says that Gen Z has been more likely to pursue educational opportunities. So maybe that rite of passage as that first job as a teenager hasn't been the norm for Generation Z. So in 2018, only 62% of them had jobs. That comparable to millennials, that was 71%, and that was 79% for Gen Xers. So we'll be looking as forward to that, are... sour, uh, that survey. Thanks, Margie. Thanks, Davis. Well, okay. Yeah, sure. We got the Farmer Forum coming right up. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. We don't make the news... We render it. Agritalk. Welcome back to Agritalk, everybody. Your pal Davis Michelson here. A quick apologies to Margie Echo Camp. I thought there was going to be a thing in there, so I cut her off a little bit early. It was very rude of me. Um, the Scoop, their their uh, salary survey from Ag Business is going to be released next week on thescoop.com. Thanks again to Margie Echo Camp. Um, Moving on, the Purdue University CME Group Ag Economy Barometer dropped five points to a reading of 125 in February. That's the most recent batch of data. Farmers' perspectives regarding both current conditions on their farms and their expectations for the future weakened during the month. To dig into the details here, we've got Purdue University Professor Dr. Jim Mintert. Jim, welcome back to uh, AgriTalk. It's great to talk to you again. Good to be on with you, Davis. 
So we're uh, we're seeing a minor sag, I guess we could maybe call it, in the overall barometer, down five points to 125 in February. Give us the wide view, please. Yeah, a minor sag is probably a pretty good way to, to uh, summarize it, Davis. You know, we're just down five points. We've been kind of a nice little bounce here compared to our low point, where, you know, just briefly we dropped below a reading of 100. So to be at 125 is an improvement. If you go back to last year at this time, that's exactly where we were last year at this time, 125. You go back two years, we were at 165. So that's maybe the broader wow. picture. Sentiment is significantly weaker than it was two years ago. And, and you know, as you pointed out, uh, we did see a little bit of a downturn in both the index of current conditions and the index of future expectations this month. But those movements were pretty small. You know, I think from a longer term perspective, one of the things that that we kind of noticed, and we've been watching this for a while, is ag producers are becoming less confident in growth in ag exports. And this has really been a trend that's been in place now going back roughly three years. Um, you know, and historically, growth in ag exports has really been an engine of growth for the ag sector in the U.S. And so the fact that we've lost confidence here is, is really quite of interesting. You know, and to put that in perspective, three years ago at this time, 72% of the people in our survey said they expected to see ag exports increase over the next five years. And from my perspective, that's kind of a normal type reading. Mm -hmm. That's been trending down over time. This month, that was down all the way to just 33% of the people in the survey expect exports to increase in the next five years. And when we look at the people who said they expect to see exports decrease, that was 18%. That's the highest number that's been since we started collecting data on this in 2019. And if you think about the negativity in that overall sentiment index that we're showing, I think people's anxiety has kind of shown up with respect to this weakness that people seem to expect in, in the export channels. Well, and I and I put in my notes here, I wanted to ask you what's driving that anxiety. And I kind of struggled with that word anxiety. Is is that the right term for it? But uh, there are a certain amount who who certainly seem to expect it sort of to level off, like maybe we've reached you know, or are nearing terminal growth. But you've got a pretty decent number. Did you say 18% expect a decline in uh, in export? Is it export growth or in exports? Uh, in exports in over the next five years is how the question okay. is phrased. And so okay. I, I think it, it's a surprisingly negative result, but it's not a one-month yeah. thing. This has been a trend that we've been showing up uh, really over these last three years. It's just been gradually getting weaker and weaker. And if you think about it, you know, all the concerns we have with respect to what's going on in China, which has been a huge source of growth in ag exports over the last roughly 20 years, uh, growth in production taking place in South America, and then, of course, the uncertainty with respect to the Black Sea region uh, just creates a lot of anxiety. And, and, you know, overall, if you think about farm income and then you look at our sentiment survey, they don't really match up that well, right? Farm incomes these last two years have been great. And yet we're showing this very weak sentiment index. And so it's a question of well, what's driving this anxiety. And I th I think this is one example of it. There's there's other concerns out there, obviously. And when we ask people about their top concerns, you know, they tell us high input cost is number one on their top uh, of their concerns. Uh, rising interest rates is becoming more important, particularly if you compare it what they've been telling us these last couple of months versus last summer. And then... Um, we're starting to see more people concerned about what I would characterize as a traditional concern for producers, which is what's going to happen to crop and livestock prices. People are a little bit more worried about lower crop and livestock prices than they were, for example, last fall. 
Um, the good news is fewer people are telling us that they're worried about the availability of inputs than what they were saying last summer. But you put all that together and this, you know, people have a good income statement, but they're looking at it from a personal standpoint and saying, gee, what's the future look like? And I think that's creating this anxiety that's showing up on our sentiment surveys. That's quite a stew you're cooking up there, doctor. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot yeah. going on in agriculture, but I mean, that's one of the yeah. reasons we work in agriculture. We we find it exciting, right? So. That's right. That's exactly right. Um, the index of current conditions fell two points, which is is a, a, a small decline to 134. I wonder, do you have any idea, is that perhaps um, a decline in that sentiment, or maybe it would leak into the future expectations, but farmers sitting down and, and talking with their financiers about um, operating loans for the upcoming season and finally seeing what that interest rate is going to look like? Is it? Is there any of that in this? Well, it could be. And I think if you look at the, when we look ask the related question, which, which is looking ahead to next year, what are your biggest concerns for a farming operation? We did see that increase uh, with respect to interest rates. 24% of the people in the survey, so that's roughly one out of four, say that rising interest rates is one of their top concerns. If you go back to last summer, uh, that was down around 14%, I think, in August. It was mm -hmm. 17% in July. So people are more worried about that. And of course, with the Fed announcement, or at least the testimony from uh, Fed Chairman Powell yesterday, suggesting rates could go even higher than a lot of people were expecting. Yeah. That's probably going to show up even more going forward. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Uh, the Farm Financial Performance Index dropped seven points to a reading of uh, of 86. Um, oh, I want to get to this. There's a disparity between responses to the barometer's um, investment question and the actual farm equipment sales, um, which continues to be focused on costs. Um, with the financial performance index down, it would make sense that equipment sales would probably decline. And yet the farm capital investment index didn't change much. I'm having a hard time getting my head around that. Well, the farm capital investment index, I think, has turned out to be a measure of whether or not we can get a good deal. Uh, at least here over the last uh, year and a half or two years now. Uh, that farm capital investment index is running at a, at a level that's down about 50% compared to where it was two years ago. Two years ago, that index was as high as it's ever been uh, at a reading of 88. This month, it was at 43. Last month, it was 42. A year ago, it was 42. So people have been telling us for a long time that they don't think it's a great time to make large investments in their farm operation. But then when we ask the follow-up question, they say it's largely because of the cost the rising prices for farm machinery and new construction. 45% um, of the people in the survey said that was the main reason that they said that was a bad time to make large investments. We are starting to see a little more impact with respect to rising interest rates on whether or not it's a good time to make investments. You go back to last summer, 14% of the people said rising interest rates were a concern with respect to making investments. This month, that was up to 27%. So that's starting to have an impact as well. But uh, that that farm capital investment index is is really focused pretty much on whether or not is is now a good time to make an investment because I can get a good deal on a tractor or a combine or a good deal on putting up a new, uh, for example, uh, machinery storage shed, shed or, or new grain bin, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And, of course, there haven't been any good deals for at least uh, two years now. And right. I think that's what that index is really picking up. Well, and knowing what those prices look like for machinery and new construction, because my thought might be well if everyone's concerned about interest rates that that points me straight to financing and might even suggest 
that cash on hand or at least cash that farmers are willing to lay out for certain expenditures might be dwindling. Is is that fair to say or not necessarily? I think it's a little early to say dwindling. Um, okay. If you project out for a year from now, I, I would probably be a little more inclined to agree with that. I think right now, most people are walking into 2023 with a very strong working capital position. And as a result, I think we're probably going to continue to see pretty strong sales of, for example, farm machinery here in, in 2023. I mean, it's interesting if you look at the numbers on, on tractor sales. I didn't put this in the report this month, but it was part of the background. If you look at sales of two-wheel drive tractors, 100 horse and up, in 2020, uh, the industry sold about 18,720 uh, tractors in that category. In 21, that up went up roughly 5,000 units to 23,730. Mm -hmm. And in 22, it went up not quite 3,000 units again to 26,500. So those are some pretty big jumps. And that tells you that people have had some good income levels and were willing yeah. to step out, even though they didn't necessarily like the prices. If you compare the peak in sales, though, the peak was back in 2013. And in 2013, the industry sold over 37,000 units. So wow. I think that 26.5 from 22 still leaves some room for maybe some pent-up demand on the part of uh, ag producers. Mm -hmm. And I suspect that's going to spill over here into 2023. You look out to 2024, the picture could start to look different. Okay. Well, we'll, uh, we'll look forward to... Uh, future conversations with you, Dr. Mintert. We appreciate your time this morning. Dr. Jim Mintert from Purdue University. Have a great day, pal. Thanks, Davis. All right. That was Dr. Jim Mintert from Purdue. Coming up next, we're going to open the shoot on our Farmer Forum here on AgriTalk. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. And joining us now, Pro Farmer editor Brian Grady. Brian, at the top of the show, the the best I could really say is that markets weren't lower. We do have some gains in corn and soybeans this morning. Yeah, Davis, uh, I'm going to start in the uh, soy complex. Uh, pretty right. solid gains across the corn or across soybeans, uh, soy meal, and, and soy oil, uh, with oil leading to the upside. That's despite uh, some pretty heavy pressure in the crude oil market this morning. So. Uh, good solid price action in the soy complex. Uh, you know, just positioning ahead of USDA's reports at the top of the hour, and and uh, the expectation is that uh, um, USDA will cut uh, its Argentine soybean crop estimate. Now, uh, in all likelihood, uh, it probably won't cut as much as as some of the private estimates, uh, which are under 30 million tons in in many cases now. It looks like wheat wants to uh, continue just dripping lower here. 
Yeah, the, the wheat market's really struggling, Davis. Uh, been a theme here, and, and uh, you know, the, the dollar's down a little bit today, um, but it just massive gains yesterday after uh, Fed Chair Jerome Powell was hawkish with his comments, and, and uh, that the dollar exploded higher. But uh, really, uh, wheat just doesn't have any bullish news right now, and, and the exports, or lack thereof, are right at the top of the list of, of lack of bullish news. Generally, quickly, expecting a quiet uh, response to numbers out of USDA today? Well, generally, the uh, the March reports are, are relatively yawners, uh, so to speak, but uh, yeah. we'll see. Um, you know, focus on those Argentine crop estimates, I think. Well, we'll talk about it tomorrow morning in the aftermath. Meanwhile, we've got uh, some pressure on live cattle, nearby feeder cattle, and deferred month lean hogs are lower. That's Brian Grady on Markets Now. Thanks, Brian, for your time. This is AgriTalk. Stick around. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. The best talkers in ag, including you. Join the conversation on AgriTalk. Call us at 855-4-TALK-AG. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. This is AgriTalk. Davis Michelson in for Chip Flory behind the big green leafy microphone of AgriTalk. As I said, Chip is traveling today, but we'll have some exciting updates for us from sunny Orlando, Florida, from the uh, commodity classic doohickey they got going on down there. In the meantime, uh, I've got Luke Lortzen and Nick Ehlers on our Farmer Forum panel this morning. Mr. Lortzen, let me begin with you. Um, good morning. Welcome to AgriTalk. Thanks for being with us. Morning, Chip. Thanks for having us on again. Absolutely. Do I sound like uh, no. do I do I sound like Chip a little bit? Yeah, I was it, trying. It was uh, my best Chip impression. <laughs> Sorry, David. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. All right. We're well, like we're like the what do you want to call? It? We're like the the fill-in crew. We need ratings. Yeah, that's, chips is gone, I take it. that's right. That's right. Well, you know, keep it clean. But if you can come up with something controversial or very exciting to say, you know, to maybe bring that. Uh, in the meantime, what are you what are you doing right now out on the farm, Luke? What uh, what does early March look like for you? Um, we're. I mean, I I'd like to say the word we're we're kind of wet. We like got the moisture. We don't have the snow like they do north of us. Um, we are just starting to get done with some things in the shop and we have a seed business so we're just starting to treat beans actually today to get some of them treated and moved out so okay. uh kind of getting ramped up for spring if it's going to show up it looks like so we're gonna have to plant like we do every year yeah 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 it'll it'll be here before we know it nick ehlers uh let me welcome you in now as well nick i'd ask you the same question what uh what gives what keeps you busy here in early march oh we've been moving some grain um, they're actually taking river open beans this way now. The the Mississippi's come back up from last fall, so so there's activity and uh, so yeah, we we got some beans moving right now, and uh, we've moved a we've moved a lot of corn over the over the winter months, and uh, got uh, one planter that we're rebuilding for spring, and yeah, other than that, just kind of the same old stuff. Another cloudy day, another snowstorm on the way. Yeah, it's yeah. March. Yep, indeed. Um, so you mentioned the uh, the river traffic is kind of heating up just a little bit. Do they entice you in with a sexy basis number? Is that what the deal is, or are you just moving some because it's time? 
Uh, moving some because it's time. And then, yeah, you know, beans have rallied. And uh, mm-hmm. with interest now being a little higher, there's not a lot of incentive to hang on to beans very long. So we've held on to them long enough. Luke, uh, ahead of the show, I just sort of floated out what do you guys want to talk about, and you brought up uh, the FOMO factor, the fear of missing out on uh, on nitrogen prices. We've seen a decline, which has run counter-seasonally, really. We, we normally, at least according to my three-year average figures here, we should be headed higher uh, pretty much across the board, whether it's nitrogen or phosphates or even, even gentle potash. Um, they're headed lower, but that downtrend does seem to be slowing just a little bit. This week, I've got um, anhydrous down like 13 bucks, according to USDA. I'll get updated numbers uh, tomorrow. Um, but still, according to USDA, over $1,000 per ton. Is that a similar price to what you're seeing in your area? And is the fear of missing out um, a real thing? I guess it wouldn't be so much ammonia because you can only store so much of that. There's only so many bottles in the in the neighborhood to sit on. But like the 32, the UAN part is what's you know dropped dramatically. But yeah, my kind of fear is the guys that I guess the fear of yeah, it's going to be cheaper than what we paid for it. But my other fear is if we hold out anymore, I mean I don't know if these guys are going to get it hauled and distributed. I mean it takes a long time to get that stuff hauled out of ports to retailers to a sprayer to a farmer. When we're March 8th, and we're talking about guys not even booking 32 yet because it might go lower. Right. They might be sitting there looking for 32 before they're done. Yeah, yeah. The fear of missing out might turn into just flat missing out. Nick, where where are you sitting on uh, on spring nitrogen? Uh, we're all bought up. We put on more ammonia than we've ever put on in our career last fall, and we've got our liquid 32 spoken for at a, at a really sweet high price. And <laughs> if you can get a retailer to quote you a price, they really won't quote you anything lower. I think it's kind of a, if you don't talk, maybe it'd be cheaper type of deal. But <laughs> yeah, I think this is the second time in my career that I've seen it really drop from fall to spring. Mm-hmm. Like, now, I I can only think of one other time where it was like, or really plummeted. Yeah, yeah, and that and that makes me a little bit nervous that uh, pretty soon the downside is just going to run out on us here. And uh, see, and Luke, that's the thing. Chip and I have talked about this before, but uh, you know, farmers sort of have this have this sense, which I've I've debated and agreed with. I don't know where I fall on this, but about the the relationship between corn prices and fertilizer prices and be careful what you wish for if you want lower fertilizer prices because it kind of tends to it would imply lower corn prices too your thoughts uh that's exactly what we're thinking right now i mean it's you know if you want cheap inputs you're gonna have cheap product that's usually how it ends up you know i'm i'm kind of shocked new crop corn stay where it did with the fallout of of you know uh 32 and other products and and the potash that a lot of them guys, they're still sitting with product, so it's they're kind of sitting with an inventory. They got to move before they can buy anything cheap. So the retailers are kind of stuck, which is not a great situation for them to be in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they got to. Well, yeah, and we've seen this before. Trying to move product uh, as as prices decline, that's that's not a good setup for them because they got to they got to make a buck too. That's that's the thing. 
Um, it's, so, it's no, no different than our store and ignore clients, Davis. If we hold off and corn falls out of bed, whose fault is that? Did I hear you That's say trademark ours. after that? Not ours. <laughs> trademark. Not ours. Not ours. Yeah. Not ours. Yeah. I mean, it's just a, the way of life. It's a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it and but, it really uh, is. You talk about. Go on. You talk about the uh, corn price with it. Just just uh, bring up a natural gas chart along with your liquid or whatever an end source you like, and and uh, natural gas has fallen out of bed in the last few months. So I am bringing we're up told that doesn't correlate, yeah. but it it correl- it's supposed to correlate when it works. So see, see, and when I've argued against the relationship between corn and fertilizer, especially nitrogen, it's been on the basis of natural gas, which. I, I feel like there's a stronger case for um, natural gas influ- influencing the price, especially with domestic, domestically produced anhydrous. Right now, the April contract uh, is down eleven and a half, two fifty-seven. We've seen a lot worse natural gas prices. Maybe this, maybe this is telling us something, Luke. Yeah, I mean, you're talking a year ago, and when, when Russia invaded Ukraine, this we were looking at World War Three and stuff was going through the roof, and now natural <laughs> gas has fallen off dramatically since then. You know, things kind of mellowed out like it was maybe I don't think it was intended, but nobody could predict that. Indeed. Uh, So, Nick, let me ask you this. I was just talking with um, with Jim Mintert from Purdue University, and it does seem like there's a greater concern. We were talking a long time about uh, the high cost of inputs and fertilizer prices and what have you. But now their survey mentioned some growing concern in output prices. So which is scarier for you, input costs or uh, what you can make back on a crop? Uh, the scarier thing for me is if, if the price is, if, yeah, output price, if grain falls out of bed. Yeah, yeah. Luke, how about you? Would you agree? There, there's another FOMO line. I would guess if you're missing out of locking in a profit with what we have for high inputs going in and the interest factor of, you know, now every every dollar you borrow costs a little more. And, it's, right. you know, like you guys said, it's not going down. Interest isn't going down. You know, the guys in the 80s are smuckering like, you guys don't, you don't know what interest is yet. And <laughs> the amount of money people have borrowed now versus then, it would scare you if you got interest in that 15, 16 range. You know, I don't know if it's going to go that high, but that would that would put a pinch on a lot of people. Well, and you got, you got We're power. Four Four or five times the money, it it feels like fifteen percent now. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, if everything goes up twenty five percent and never comes down, and we're borrowing, you know, eight and a half percent money to pay for it on input side or even parts in general or anything like that, there's no there's nowhere to point a finger and say, well, where do we go? Well, and you you raise a good point, Luke, in um, the output prices because with the inputs costs, you're sort of at the mercy of the seller. They set the price. You know, maybe you can make a deal for bulk or booking ahead or whatever. You can you can wiggle a little bit right there. Output prices, um, what you can earn back for your crop, um, to have that protected, to have a, a plan in place, is I think that's really well placed in what you said was, you know, you, you got to do something to capture the value while you still can. You know, when we talked in December, we were talking about, you know, the flow of corn and basis was really hot this way, and now it's dampered off. Well, probably because they found all the corn in Nick's backyard. 
put it on a train <laughs> and shoved it my way to put it into an ethanol plant. You know, logistics is finally catching up to the corn market and the hot where basis is hot. You know, that's that's it. I didn't think we'd see as much uh, rail corn dumped in our local ethanol plant as we are now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I read I, uh, just I think yesterday. our basis is, is, yep. is higher now our way than it was during that conversation. Yeah, it's probably because they took your cheap corn, brought it here and now made mine cheap. So thanks. So <laughs> Yeah, well, it happened. Just, just keep moving it around. That way nobody's happy all at the same time. Right, fellas? I'm talking with Luke Lordson and uh, Nick Ehlers here on the Farmer Forum. We've got one more segment to go. Um, I want to talk about what Jim was saying about exports and where maybe these fellas see where it's it's going to go. And then we're going to talk about the future just a little bit and, uh, and what they're expecting. So uh, stick around through these words for more AgriTalk. It's Davis Michelson. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. AgriTalk is brought to you by the Mosaic Company, the leaders in advanced crop nutrition. Welcome back to AgriTalk, everyone. Davis Michelson here. We've got a farmer forum red hot right now, Luke Lordson and Nick Ehlers. And there was a third who joined uh, the peanut gallery. Uh, Luke, Nick, hey, guys, we're back. Um, we, uh, we had Steve from Iowa who wanted to jump in with a couple of thoughts on the conversation about the relationship to corn and fertilizer and when we got to spend a bunch of money to grow a crop and then maybe uh our our margins shrink a little bit our profit margins shrink the only person who really makes any money out of the deal there is the banker they're going to get their money every year either way no matter what luke uh i mean there there is some truth to that but i mean after talking to my lender the other day banks are going out and having to buy money so they're not making near as much as what they probably were two, three, or at least a year ago. I know that for a fact. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So those high but interest rates, that. those high interest rates, don't necessarily mean that uh, they're they're doing the Uncle Scrooge routine, swimming around in a big swimming pool full of gold coins. Uh, no, I mean some some maybe, but I mean I know some of these they've had to go out and buy it. When they got to go buy it, they're not making near as much because they can't lend their own money like they used to. Yeah, yeah. Nick, would you agree with that? A little bit. I mean, it's kind of all relative in my book. I mean, I, I mean, I know some people that have taken the good times and they've actually went out and just bought a bank. And I mean, that's a power move right there. Yeah, it <laughs> like is. Instead of just, he just like, hey, what do you want for the bank? I'll just buy the the bank. So, 
I don't know, good times breed good times. They do. They do. Well, and that's that's the trick is to uh, maintain through through the hard times so that you can get to those good times. And not only that, but once you get to those good times, that you're in decent enough shape that uh, that you can capitalize. Um, I want to talk to you guys and, and just get like real farmers thoughts on something here that Dr. Jim Mintert was talking about. And he was talking about growing anxiety about ag exports um, and his findings were from February, and he said it's a trend that farmers are kind of expecting export demand not just to level off, but to fall here. Um, why don't I throw it over to you, Nick, and just see if you have any thoughts on that at all. Of our income leveling off or our profits? Uh, exports. Exports out of the U.S. of ag commodities. Exports leveling yeah. off. Exports leveling off. Yeah. Oh, Definitely. I mean, high prices cure high prices, and and uh, I don't think these countries want to stock up on anything that that they think is maybe going to correct or go down. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I agree with exports leveling off or or slowing. Yeah, Luke, does that worry you? Does it concern you? I guess yeah, it does. But in the same breath, I I look at like if you could look at USDA acres year on year what urban sprawls are doing to farmland, you know, Omaha, Des Moines, you know, the Amazons, the Googles, all them guys buying up a lot of land, building stuff, you know, that comes out of production. We don't, we don't go somewhere else and, you know, we don't knock down rainforest and add more acres every year in, in the U S we kind of have what we have. Mm-hmm. That's, that's kind of the worrisome part too, is maybe the exports aren't going to go anywhere because we're growing enough to sustain what we have. Well, that was, that was my thought too. Is maybe we've just sort of reached terminal export? Is it is it illogical or somehow? Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Is you know is it is it a bad thing? Is it blasphemy to to say? Well, maybe we've we've just found the top end of export demand. Tapped out. Maybe we tapped out. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I would probably blasphemy to your uh, your commodity groups to, to say that, but. I think China doesn't want to be dependent on the United States. And for some reason, Brazil has a whole nother country yet to plant that they haven't planted. So yeah, maybe we, maybe we're done growing in the export market. Well, I do know that we've talked to different groups, uh, the soybean groups, especially in particular, and that's not to say the corn groups haven't reached out as well, but, uh, trying to find those new markets. India is a big thing uh, up into uh, Africa and places like that. So there may be demand there, but there's also a lot of hope for domestic demand increases, especially on the soybean side when we're talking about the renewable diesel stuff. Um, Luke, how much stock do you put in that hope? Well, I mean, if the government's pushing it and mandating on stuff, there's pretty good hope on it, I guess. Um, not that I have faith in the government all the time. But there is, uh, I mean, as one would say, what are you in? Commodities. And they would say, good luck with that. Right. So, uh, <laughs> just right. Nick, you know, uh, I guess we're in an area. Yeah, go ahead. Go on. So, I guess well, we're, we're getting some plants, more plants online. So they're mm-hmm. coming up in the next uh, three to five years. So Yeah. Yeah. Nick, we're here from the government and we're here to help. Uh, does that reassure you at all? <laughs> no, I run. <laughs> yeah, somebody pulls on the farm and says they're here to help. You need to run. 
Mm-hmm. Well, the that's domestic the demand might be flag. the key. And that's that's one of the one of the questions I wish I'd had more time to ask Dr. Mintert about is maybe if if there's a little bit of optimism perhaps on the domestic demand side. Hey, before we uh, before we run out of time, looking ahead to spring and summertime, what is on the list of priorities for you, Nick? I'm going to let you go first. We got I mean, you talked about your you're rebuilding a planter there and doing doing all kinds of stuff. Um, your concerns, your thoughts as we head into planting season. Um, I don't have a lot of concerns. I just hope the weather's Attaboy. good and we, we and we get good good conditions to plant in. You know, I hope our friends in Nebraska don't have a monumental drought, just like a small one. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and I still hate the Huskers. Always will. <laughs> so. Fair enough. Luke, look at look into your crystal ball for you. What do the next couple of months look like? What's on your mind? Well looking back, I think we've I think Iowa besides the wrestling team, Iowa boys haven't beaten Nebraska for a while, so I'm good on that end of things. But Yeah, uh, you, you guys yeah, yeah. Yeah. You guys are mad. It's okay. We won. Uh anyway, uh back to the future. I hope, I mean, not saying hope, I mean, I would take a little bit of a wet spring on this then for us. Not just yeah. so much, we could soak up a lot. Yeah. You know, we, yeah. we are, you know, we were dry last fall. No, no ammonia went on, but we, we will need a good spring to get a lever, everything on and everything go in time. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's, right. there's going to be a little urgency when the weather breaks here. So. Our, our, appreciate our women's Luke basketball Lawrence team and... can beat your football team. Oh, we have derailed. We have derailed. Luke Lawrence and Nick Ehlers. Thanks, everybody. We got John Payne this afternoon, (laughs) tomorrow morning, Jocelynville.